I'm Matt. We talk about... The do-do's and don't-do's of personalized learning. Yeah, we do. This is backwards. This doesn't I, feel right to me. Does, I totally threw you for a loop. Totally. All right, that's good, though. So what are we going to talk about today, Courtney? So we're going to continue our conversation in a way yes. from last week um, where we were talking about the difference between engagement and, and empowerment and how personalized learning really is about empowerment. Mm-hmm. And we thought we'd kind of just continue on this lines a little bit and kind of go back to the like, well, what is personalized learning? Because we're still seeing so much out there about personalized learning being horrible and cold and non-human and, you know, totally based in algorithm and just plopping learners in front of computers and they'll take a diagnostic test, diagnostic test. I noticed. And everything will be mapped out for them. And that's not, that has never been my vision of personalized learning, nor has that ever been the vision of personalized learning of anybody I have worked closely with on this. Yeah. So that that's a, that's a good point before we get into it is like, who are these people? Corporations. But they're in schools. No, they're not. Uh, are they? No. I don't know. They seem to make money off school districts that do kind of dumb things. But where are these places? I because I you're right. I haven't met a single person who who believes in anything like oh you just throw them in front of computers and we're all set. I no. I've I, never yeah. met any of these people. Maybe there aren't these people and it's just a big conspiracy. No, I think there really are those people. <laughs> okay. So I think, well, you know what? You could be right. Maybe there really isn't anyone out there thinking it, and it's just hyperbole of the media. That never happens. No, it doesn't. You know, like trying trying to make it an issue when it really isn't. Okay, well, that's possible, right? Because I know one of the things that maybe this leads off that <laughs> our new podcast is about <laughs> conspiracy theories. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be out soon. Um, maybe it's. Maybe it's more, um, it's behind, we, we hear a lot of people talk about the money behind education yeah. and how much people are making money, yes. but I don't know if people are actually making that much money yet. I mean, the, the, how, no, how places are funded. No, my guess is they are. So, all right, so I'm, I'm formulating some thoughts here. Okay. So perhaps part of the reason why you and I have never actually met or had a conversation with anyone who has this vision of personalized learning as being plop a kid in front of a computer and go is because we don't work in a an area of the country that has massive amounts of students in That's districts true. and therefore massive amounts like huge you know budgets that would dwarf ours. That's ours. true. We both work in rural, yes. very rural districts yes. relative to the rest of the country. Yeah, we do. Yeah. So, so maybe that's it. Maybe it's more uh, urban-based and city-based where you have 20,000, 50,000, 100,000 students in a district right. that you can try to scale all of this all at once. Exactly. Hmm. That's probably true, actually. Yeah. I, I, my be- I, yeah. I'm starting to think that that's definitely part of it. Like, I think about it. So my mother is a, a district administrator um, in New York where I grew up, and the sheer size of districts there is insane compared to right. what it is here and you know the amount of teachers and even just administration you know it's like she's one administrator she only takes care of math 
And so here in your district, Matt, you are the curriculum leader of everything. Pretty much everything. Plus whatever else needs, <laughs> yeah. needs that's to your, be done. That's, that's part of my job. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> that is very true. So that may be that may be part of it. That yeah. in order to scale into a district, you have to you have to start by buying all of that stuff. They think. They think. They think. And you know, there are some reports out that uh, that we'll talk about on future podcasts mm. about about the cost of these sort of things. I was just thinking about that. Yeah. So th- there's some good yeah. things that that we can talk about as far as some of the money behind it and how this all works and how you scale it up. Um, which, uh, yeah, have... so you know what? Let's put it like so. If anyone is okay. out there who works in a larger district, you know, like more suburban or urban district, um, and is working on implementing personalized learning and also agrees that the vision of personalized learning is not plopping learners in front of computers um, and letting letting technology and an algorithm take care of it all um send us an email or you know um add us and let's uh let's get you on i'd love to kind of hear how it's working for you and what your thoughts are yeah on bringing this to a larger district so we read an article yeah we did that was an education week just came out this week uh mid-february here and by rick hess and he talks about a talk that he went to uh, that Larry Berger, the CEO of Amplify, and he he gave a he gave a talk, and it started off not so good for me. The talk or the article? The art the article and the talk, I guess. Okay. It was just like he basically the article was presented like here's the talk. Oh, okay. And oh, I guess you're right. Yeah, now that I look at it again. I'm like, yeah, oh, that is well, you know, we're looking at it right now for yeah. those of you, but the, there's lots of stuff that talks about personalized learning. And here is his confession, as he puts it. And I'll quote parts of it. And I'll just kind of paraphrase parts of it. So if I don't get it exact, I apologize. Uh, we'll link oh, to no, it. you don't have to apologize because you just said We're you go- would quote and paraphrase. You've covered yourself. You're fine. Just go. Courtney, the writing teacher. Thank you. You're welcome. So, And we'll link to it also. So first confession, until a few years ago, I was a great believer in what might be called the engineering model of personalized learning, which is still what most people mean by personalized learning. Interjection here. Is that what most people think by personalized learning? Right, this is like what we were just talking about. What is what people think of personalized learning? Anyway, so the model works as follows. You start with a map of all the things that kids need to learn. Good idea so far. Then you measure the kids so that you can place each kid on the map in just the spot where they know everything behind them and in front of them is what they should learn next. Hey, I think we've talked about doing this. This sounds awesome so far. (laughs) Then you assemble a vast library of learning objects and ask an algorithm to sort through it to find the optimal learning object for each kid at that particular moment. Questions. Many. Then you make each kid use the learning object. Then you measure the kids again. If they learned what you want them to learn, you move them to the next place on the map. If they didn't learn it, you try something simpler. Yep, can't argue with that. So yeah, there's a, that whole middle part. It's that the, <laughs> it's that middle piece about the learning objects and algorithms that we're both like, wait, what? And we spent a long time, just you and I, talking through that piece. We did. So this so this is what the, the, the model that we like, right? Okay. You've got a progression of learning. Yep. You place kids on it where where they're in their zone of proximal development yeah stuff happens i'm waving my hands here stuff happens, stuff happens. And at the end of it 
if they've learned it, they move. They move on. If they haven't, they they you try something. You different. try something different. Yeah. Okay. I think this is the crux of the whole argument. The stuff happens part. Yeah. Okay. This part again. So in the engineering model, according to um, what's this author's name again? Uh, Rick Hess, but this is uh, oh right, no, this, this is, is someone else's. Yeah, uh, Larry Berger. Okay, so the the stuff happening part, according to Larry Berger, is that there is a um, an algorithm, which to me, at first listen, first read, I automatically think computer program. So sure. there's some kind of diagnostic test on a computer program, right? Mm-hmm. That, and then from there, the learning object, the assumption I'm making initially is that then it's some kind of task or practice or video or something that the learners have to um, do and those decisions are completely made by um, the computer right and the algorithm do we need to explain what an algorithm is no okay just checking if you don't know there's this thing called google anyway (laughs) snarky snarky here in the morning yeah that's okay. That's all right. No, I don't think we need to. I don't think we need to. I think our listeners are intelligent enough to know what an algorithm is. Right on. But I think you're right. I think the first thing that you hear is computers. Right. Right? Because there's so many kids, and figuring out where they are is kind of tough. So we'll just right. we'll build this algorithm, and we'll find kids on the map, and we'll keep testing them and getting them to learn something, learning right. objects, they say. And eventually they'll test to a certain place and then they move on. Right. Well, and none of that implies that there needs to be a teacher. Exactly. Right? Well, and then I started expanding on this and saying, well, like, I kind of wish he were here and we could ask him these questions. Like, is he just describing the learning process using very cold engineering terms? Because in that case, then you know, the algorithm could be, maybe now I'm going to argue against myself now, you could make the argument that the algorithm is all the decision-making that a teacher or a team of teacher makes based on the tools they have in the classroom and their their experience and their knowledge of learner development. You could make that argument. Um, but then my counter-argument to myself is that that is inherently not um, clean and scientific maybe scientific isn't the right word, but efficient and uh, I don't know the word I want, but it's not, I think that would be excluded from the word algorithm. Okay. So he goes on to say, Yeah. I spent a decade believing in this model, the map, the measure, and the library, all powered by big data algorithms. Yeah. Here's the problem. This is where it gets good. The map doesn't exist. I disagree. Me too. The measurement is impossible. And we have collectively built only 5% of the library. Again, the problem that's in that statement, the map doesn't exist, disagree. The measurement is impossible, disagree, to some extent. And we have collectively built only 5% of the library. That's where the problem is. It's not about the library that the algorithm has to fit because that, uh, to me, that does imply I have to have a computer system with all of these learning objects in it. So it's not about the library that doesn't exist. It's that implies the computer system, right? The library does exist. 
but it exists with teachers, I think. Mm-hmm. What do you think about this one? I mean, I'm not sure where my thoughts are. I know, I'm on this still one. going back and forth between the... He's got a great beginning and a great end, but all that waving hands and stuff happens in the middle. That's what nobody can quite figure out to scale this to many, many, many kids. You know, we kind of do this in our districts. Right. But we we are in rural districts, and it's a struggle at times, right? This is, this is not the easiest thing to do. When you're trying to scale this to 100,000 kids in a in a district in a in a in a big city, right? Yeah, that stuff happens. That that's you're talking a lot of money, so you want to be efficient. You want to you want to have this cost as least as possible. Mm-hmm. So maybe a computer program is the best way, rather than bring in all this PD for 10,000 teachers. Let's let's right. Say. Well, and then you know part of that that view also is then that it's air quote foolproof. Right. Or teacher-proof is really the word that would be used. Right, right. Um, but it, it doesn't it, – we know it doesn't work. Here's what I think it oh, – here's, here's where I'm at right now with this. That learning can be distilled down to specific parts, like the map, right, or the progression. Like that can happen, and that has happened in a lot of different places. Um, so there is a map of learning that is widely agreed upon. Does every learner follow that map to a T? No. But there is a general map of how concepts and skills develop in almost any content area. You can also create diagnostic tools that will help you put a learner on that map. And we can also distill down effective practices that will target those different skills and those different concepts effectively for different types of learners. Like all of that can happen. But the minute the relationship and human interaction is taken out of the equation, it falls apart. It stops working. Do you think that's, that's the key? a key to this to personalized learning yeah i do actually yes i do i think there needs to be um a relationship between the learner and a teacher or a facilitator whatever you want to call them who has expertise in you know teaching and learning and development and who can who can read the learner in the way that the computer can't. So to relate this back to our podcast of last week, so if we just had the algorithms, let's let's say we just have computer programs, you can get kids engaged on these type of things, right? Maybe. Well, let let let's say you can. Okay. Right? Let's let's for the sake of argument, let's say you can that they've created all kinds of engaging opportunities, but as we talked about last week, just because they're engaged doesn't mean they're learning. Right. So the the key for moving to engagement to empowerment might be those relationships where you have that that person who knows more whatever whatever that term is that that other I can't think of it right offhand but but some something not not quite a teacher but somebody uh, like somebody who knows something about whatever you're trying to learn yeah right so maybe that is where it moves from engagement to empowerment because you can work some of those those issues out by talking out with somebody else and now you're empowered to 
learn further on your own rather than if you're just trying to figure out what the computer, you just said the computer doesn't really know you. No, it doesn't. Right? It, it, yeah. and, and it doesn't, right? Yeah. But if you have somebody to work some of, some of those problems out, that will empower you to learn quicker, better, in yeah, a different direction so. perhaps. So maybe it's not just the engagement part because I, I could see some things are really engaging and, and learning. Absolutely. But, not, but it's not necessarily empowering you to do something different. Right. And so maybe that's, maybe that's part of the missing piece of personalized learning that people haven't quite got to yet. Yeah, I think maybe. Well, I think it's, you know, I'm I'm in my head, I'm connecting to so many other conversations we've had. Um, Or like, you know, the one conversation we've had, I don't think we have this one on the air. um, But we've had conversations about where, how does the adult actually fit into learner centered learning? Right. Um, And I'm kind of feeling like it's a very similar conversation. There needs to be some kind, and, and okay, so Vygotsky says learning is social, and that's all I can go back to in my head right now is that learning is social. Um, and there is something, there is a difference between as good as artificial intelligence can be, we've all seen Blade Runner, you can tell the difference between artificial intelligence and um, a human. Maybe we haven't all seen Blade Runner, but go see Blade Runner. Yeah, You'll most like. definitely go see yeah. Blade Runner. <laughs> Uh, that that is a good point. So <laughs> I realize I've taken the conversation in a way bigger. Yeah, you place. have you have, but you haven't because the article continues, and okay. and it does it it does it's not so depressing. It's not so oh my god, this is all terrible. No, no, I agree. And so I think one thing I'd like to say about this article, which I remember saying to you early on when we first started talking about it, is that um, there's a clickbaity aspect to it that i find disheartening perhaps it worked on me it did work on you it did work on you so you know at some point maybe i'm like ah it works on people but it well it's you know this clickbaity thing is really making us talk about it on podcast you're right so which is kind of good it's kind of i'm gonna thank the clickbait yeah it totally it totally was not what what i thought it would be um a couple more quotes from this one where he's kind of um, talking about that, that hand-wavy stuff in the middle. Uh, he says, quote, We also don't have the assessments to place kids with any precision on the map. The existing measures are not high enough resolution to detect the thing that a kid should learn tomorrow. We also don't have the library of learning objects for the kind of difficulties that kids often encounter. Most of the available learning objects are in books that only work if you have read the previous page, and they aren't indexed in ways that algorithms understand. Yeah, yeah, it's not, learning is not a linear process. No, and you can't sparse it down to completely independent right. units. So. Parse it down. I think I said sparse it down. I don't know what I just said. I, it doesn't matter. <laughs> So one of the things that he kind of concludes this I don't know what we're doing part is he says, quote, just because the algorithms want a kid to learn the next thing doesn't mean that a real kid actually wants to learn that thing. And that's I thought, true, too. I thought that was really good. Yeah. That's, that's a good way to, to finish that, oh, my God, maybe this isn't working the way we thought it was going to be. So he offers a question, well, so which here, is good. Oh. No, no, you go first. You go first. Okay, so here's, okay, to connect back to the empowerment thing. Also, in this scenario, the computer is making all the decisions. The learner has no, the learner should that's be the, able to say. That's one of the biggest problems in this, right? Right. Yeah, the learner needs to be able to say yes or no. Right. 
And if it's just follow what the computer says, he's right. What if the learner doesn't want to learn that tomorrow? That's part of personalized learning too, is being able to say, you know, okay, I'm fine with where I am right now with this particular learning. I'm interested in something else. Right. Okay, so let's move to the next part yep. where he offers up a question. And here's the, the question. He says that I hope might kick off your conversation, which it uh, did. I guess it kind of does. <laughs> what did your best teachers and coaches do for you without the benefit of maps, algorithms, or data to personalize your learning? He concludes by saying there are many ways to, to, answer, yeah. to answer this question. Each might be a doorway to the future of personalized learning. And I thought that was pretty good because, A, this guy knows there's problems with the way we've done personalized learning. Yeah. Right? And he's a CEO of Amplify. So he's invested in this. All right. So he knows there's issues. He knows it's not really working. But it's nice that he's posing a question like, okay, so what are we doing wrong and how do we fix this to make it really more personalized? And I think his question is fantastic because well, it's, any, it's any about any good answer is going to have to do with the, the relationship and the social interaction. Well, that's right where he goes, yeah. right? What did your teachers and coaches do for you without yeah, all of that other stuff that. to make it personalized? And I think that's where we need to go. And I think that's where companies have the option trying to figure out how, how does that fit in with, with the whatever product or program or whatever that I'm trying to sell to schools to work. How does that fit into these type of questions? Because we know, I would say that we know, you asked the question before, if any of our listeners are in one of those districts that get computer programs pushed on them and now they're personalized and we don't know any of those people i think all of those people would say we know this is wrong but we don't know what to do we don't know what to which do. is exactly what this guy is saying with all that hand wavy stuff happens in the middle yeah i that's the unknown part right now i think i think we might know it in our maybe districts. maybe we just go back to one room schoolhouses maybe <laughs> my brain went on like such a wild little walk right okay, there okay good and I, that's what came out at the I end could, <laughs> I, I could kind of see it happening that was good i think there are ways to do this and uh i was, I was thinking maybe some some future series of podcasts we could kind of explain like our vision of what personalized learning looks like uh, from k to 12 sure <laughs> This is the first time I've mentioned this to Courtney. She just gave me that. Uh, sure. Oh, my God. Look. But, yeah, it's why not put out a vision? We talk about this all the time, and it looks like the questions are now coming up. This is Education mm. Week, who is not usually the most supportive on personalized learning. Um, and they've, they've been criticized a lot mm. uh, by us in particular. But... I, I think there's there's opportunities out there to get better at personalized learning. And if these questions are coming up by people who are actually invested monetarily in this, then I think that this may be a turning point over the next couple of years trying to figure this out for, for this country and how we're doing. All right. There we go. You can't take the human out of learning. You just can't. We'll talk next.